0: Welcome in to the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show. Let's go. What's going on everybody? Welcome back to the Triple Play Fantasy Football Show, week three, and it's just two of us, me and the Brad Stradamus. Brad Kilgore, what's going on?
1: It's good to be here, man. I'm ready to talk some football.
0: Yeah, and speaking of football, we did celebrate our man Johnny Football's wedding uh, last weekend. Great time. Uh, The OG uh, co-host of the pod. Uh, But Brad and I just holding it down. And Brad, I think. If there are actual script writers for the NFL, nobody is agreeing with how it's gone so far. You know, so be it. We've had some plenty of good surprises, but I feel like more than that, we've been marred by disappointment.
1: I'm, I'm with you on that. I'd, I'd rather the shocks come from, you know, crazy wins and teams that we thought that were going to be bad being good as opposed to, you know, freak injuries and star players just kind of getting the the bad end of the the luck there so I it, it has been kind of unfortunate in that sense but you know life goes on and we're gonna make the best of what we got
0: are the injuries your big takeaway from week two or are you going in another
1: direction no I, I wouldn't say it's injury because there, there's always going to be injuries you know um, for me I, I think it's just the shock of like teams like the Bengals and the Eagles offenses that you know we thought that 100% no matter who's the offensive coordinator they're going to be able to handle their business and score you know four or five times a game and that that just hasn't been the case and i'm not sure whether it's you know teams figuring each other out and you know watching having enough you know, film on somebody that you 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 kind of understand their tendencies and you can play against it or you know maybe you know in the eagles case the new offensive coordinator is just changing things up and they have to get used to it and it's going to take time I don't know, but it's it's been interesting to see that play out and I can't say I expected it. I think for the Bengals you can point to Joe Burrow's injury.
0: You don't go down like he did in training camp and have the cart come out and it not affect you at all with your calf. Yeah. And so I think that's the root of it. I, you know, it's funny the Eagles are 2 and 0 but they're not dominating like people thought they would. Um they did have, you know, they've had some changes. Got rid of Miles Sanders, brought in DeAndre Swift who looked great but you know, it's everybody meshing together, and training camp is one thing, but obviously in the game situation is the other. I'm going to go from a fantasy perspective, and my one takeaway, if you spend a first-round pick on a running back, you have to you have to draft their handcuff. And Nick yeah. Chubb, who has been the model of consistency, obviously goes down with a freak injury. It happened to Derek Henry a couple of years ago. Those two guys seem more durable than any other in the running back position. but. We're talking a lot, and we I say we as the collective fantasy community, about how much money are we spending on Jerome Ford. And I put this Twitter question out there today. I had Nick Chubb in two home leagues, and I have 100% of FAB in those two home leagues. And how much do I put down? And the answers range from 20%, which maybe I got two or three answers, to 70%, which is probably where most of it fell in, to probably 25% saying that you need to spend all of your FAB And Jerome Ford is a guy that in most leagues went undrafted. And even if it's just taking your last pick, and I say drafting your handcuff until the bye weeks happen, because then obviously you're going to need to drop, you know, if you only roster one quarterback, you drop that, or if you need a backup tight end or a defense because you have an elite one. But until those bye weeks, you need to draft your handcuff if you take a running back in the first round. Otherwise, you're putting yourself at a huge disadvantage from Fab and that's something I'm learning firsthand because I didn't think I needed to draft Jerome Ford. And those Derrick Henry owners out there, you better be picking up Ty J Spears this week.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I can't say I disagree. Um, in terms of the percentage of fad that you should actually spend, um, so I'm on the I'm on the lower end of the spectrum for for Ford. I don't think that you know Nick Chubb's dominance is a function of. You know how great that offensive line is. I don't think you can just plug any running back in and expect to get, you know, 100 yards and, and two touchdowns like, can do, like Chubb can like can do. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains. Their their identity has always been the run game, so they're going to stick with the run, which is good. You can expect Ford to get, you know, 15 or so carries, but at the same time, they're bringing in Kareem Hunt this week. Like I I don't know that. Ford is going to be the main workhorse of that backfield for long i think they're going to try to do it by committee and there's going to be days where ford has 20 fantasy points and then there's going to be days where you know hunt or felton like you know whoever else it may be um may get those that line share of the fantasy points there so i i think 20 percent is a good rule because i hate to say it but you know, if history is any indicator, he's not going to be the only running back to go down. You know, Christian McCaffrey might go down, and, like, I'd rather have Eli Mitchell or, or whoever else is going to be the, the the backup running back there um, for even more fad because I do think the 49ers' offensive line is even more plug-and-play than the Browns' is. So um, I, there's going to be more injuries. You know, like you just mentioned, Tajay Spears. If Derrick Henry goes down, Spears is—they have to run the ball in Tennessee. Like they don't even have wide receivers the way the Browns do, so um, I, I can see other other scenarios where I'd rather spend um, if there was a something to happen, um, but I do think twenty percent should be kind of the floor there because he is a valuable weapon at the moment.
0: You ain't winning a fab war with four with twenty percent on Jerome Ford. You're just you're just not. Uh, And if you do, I want you to show me that league because maybe it's an eight-person league where one person blew it on Puka Nakua last week. I think, and I I don't want to necessarily put it out there yet because I have to reevaluate after we do the podcast tonight, but I think I have to go over 50%. I I think it's fair to say if Jerome Ford is healthy the rest of the year, and that's a big if because running backs are going down like flies, he's a potential top 24 back. And I think you don't get many free agent and running backs. I, I think. I think part of the reason why Jerome Ford people are willing to spend so much is because he wasn't rostered. You never thought that Nick Chubb was going to get hurt at least this early in the season. He's been, like I said, That's the model fair. of the model of consistency. I think if you want him, you have to go over fifty percent. And I think if you're a Nick Chubb owner and you don't have good depth behind you, you got to go at least seventy percent because you can't take Fab with you to the grave. And you can just be smart and plug in and maybe you look ahead for, you know, Sean Tucker of the world, you know, Tampa Bay running back if Rashad White gets hurt and you and you start doing small bids on others or you stay active on the waiver wire. And when news breaks on a Thursday afternoon of somebody missing practice, you're you're getting them. But I think Nick Chubb owner, at least 70 percent, if you have depth, I think flirt around a little over
1: 50 also, I will say another another factor in this is what's your record? If you're two and zero going into this, and you feel like you got a nice, stable of running back still, like I, all my running backs are still healthy, and I, I went you know running backs for the first two rounds of my drafts and almost every draft, so I still feel like I have a good running back. I don't feel like I need to you know spend fifty percent of my fab on on Ford right now. I'd rather wait for something else to happen. If you're zero and two and you think you still have a good squad. I think it definitely makes sense to to spend up on that.
0: Yeah, and it, it makes it's for context too. How many teams are making the playoffs in your league? How yeah. much are how much have other people spent on on Fab and how much do they have left? That's something to important to note because sometimes you might not have to spend all of it if you've had people in your leagues that have spent a lot already. So yeah. just something to think about. Brad, we'd already talked about it earlier, but going back to Joe Burrow, strained calf, he doesn't look right. The Bengals are 0-2, and Adam Schefter said that it's not a lock that he plays week three. This is a little bit alarming because this injury happened back in July. There was reports that he had recovered from it. Um, but how, right now, how concerned are you about Joe Burrow? How concerned are you about the Bengals? And how concerned are you about the pass catchers?
1: I'm incredibly concerned. I, I don't think it's just you know a function of Joe Burrow being a little bit hurt. Um I we're not seeing Jamar Chase and T. Higgins run the routes like they're used to. We're not seeing them get the same separation they used to. They're not coming up with those 50-50 balls. Um, they're getting so down in games that they're almost abandoning the run, which is making Joe Mixon pretty much irrelevant. I, I just that team is a shell of itself. Um, I don't know when to hit the panic button. It's obviously not gonna be week two, week three. In terms of you know blow it all up, but I I'd say that you know they're in a situation where they just paid Joe Burrow big money, he's locked in. Chase has been paid big money, and he'll probably be paid again soon. And T Higgins is pretty much the last holdout of of that that core of that three that's going to be getting big money. And if we go to you know if we're if they're two two and six at the halfway mark of the season, it makes no sense to pay T Higgins that big money so then, then, what are you looking at? Then it's just Joe Barrow and Jamar Chase, and while that's you know a formidable core, you're no different than any other team that has a you know a good quarterback and a good wide receiver you you're not You're not what you used to be. You're not that Super Bowl team um that we saw just last year. People don't have to fear you like that. You don't have two number one receivers, so it's I think it's pretty imperative that they make a run. Um, because if they don't, I think this window is kind of closed.
0: So I'm incredibly worried about Joe Burrow. And, you know, I'm a big believer in putting your money where your mouth is. And as soon as that training camp report happened, I put the under on his passing yards because it was at 4,500 for the year. And, you know, even if he was fully recovered to play 17 games and, you know, obviously we look at sacks, but QB pressures, QB knockdowns, just the wear and tear it puts on your body when you're not coming into a season fully 100%. And he has a torn ACL in his previous, uh, history. So I am worried yeah. about that for the Bengals. I am extremely worried too. You mentioned they're zero two and they have lost to the Ravens and both Browns. So they're zero two in division games, the Ravens are two and O obviously the Browns take a step down with Nick Chubb not being there, but it's an incredibly loaded AFC. When you look at the bills, the chiefs, the Jaguars, um, The Dolphins are 2-0 right now. The Chargers are 0-2, but they're a team that could turn it around very quickly. And to your point, Brad, they're probably not going to pay T. Higgins. And this is their last year that they're going to get him for very cheap. Uh, There were rumors that they were going to trade him last offseason. So I am worried about the franchise as a whole. I am not as worried about the pass catchers, though. Jamar Chase, for example, 17 targets over the the last two weeks. Kind of took a little bit of a shot at the offensive coordinator saying we need to take more targets downfield. Uh and if they're losing, game script bodes well that they're just gonna throw the ball. So I think Jamar Chase, yeah. while he might not have those 10 for 210 and two touchdown games before, he might have, you know, a garbage time of eight for 95 and a touchdown. And yes, that's not the wide receiver one that you drafted him for, but look at all the Uh, first round picks this year. Nick Chubb out. If you drafted Cooper Cup early in the first round, he's out. Austin Eckler out a couple weeks. Jamar Chase is healthy, and you're starting him each week, and even if he provides high-end wide receiver two, low-end wide receiver ones, obviously a notch above where you draft or a notch below where you drafted him. I still think the fact that he's healthy, I mean, he wants to get paid too, so he's going to play. Brad, question for you from our buddy Z2. Gary Brightwell or Matt Breida?
1: Matt Breida, it's not even close. He's gonna Ooh. get those, he's gonna get those, uh, those, um, those targets that that Saquon Barkley is vacating. You know, those lining up in the slot or go out in the flat, um, out of the backfield. That's gonna be Matt Breida. Um, in terms of the the red zone, it's probably Gary Brightwell. Uh, I'm not gonna lie about that. That high value. Uh, high value touches those are going to be bright well but looking at the to, the Giants look now I to assume that they're going to have a lot of chances in the red zone um I think that's asking a lot I think this offense is going to be lacking especially without Barkley I'd rather have Brita somebody's going to be the first second third down back or first and second down back I should say and also get those targets out of the flat and maybe lined up at slot so I, I like Brita a lot
0: um This is one of those where you don't pick either, but if you probably pick one just because you are very needy of running back, I'm going Gary Brightwell. Matt Breed is 28 years old. We know who he is at this point, his history of ankle issues. He doesn't have that explosiveness that he did with the 49ers, and he's probably a guy that will get you 14 carries for 40 yards. He will get the work that you look from a workhorse, but lacks the big explosive plays. Gary Brightwell coming into his third season with the Giants, 31 carries for 141s and a touchdown. Last year, that's 4.5 yards per carry. Um, Only five catches for 39 yards. But I think at this point in the season, they want to know what they have in Gary Brightwell. You already know what you're getting with Matt Breida. I take a guy with a higher upside, but I don't think either are good plays. The Giants got shut out week one, and they were down 28-0 at the half, or I think 28-7 at the half. So for the first six quarters, they look like an anemic anemic offense. Um,
1: Have you come around on uh, Gus Edwards versus Justice Hill at all yet? I mean, I don't think either are a good option, but
0: I'm still – I'm taking Gus Edwards over Justice Hill, but the difference I would have had to pay for them in FAB I don't think would have been worth it. Right, right. So Rankham, Brita, Tony Jones, Jerome Ford. This week I would go Jerome Ford, Tony Jones, Matt Brita – I would probably do that rest of season, too. Jamal Williams is out a couple of weeks, and then Alvin Kamara comes back from his suspension, but I like so both I, of those offenses better.
1: I'd go, actually, Tony Jones, Ford, and then Brita um, for rest of season and this week. I The Saints' offense is very sneakily good. I They're not really converting in the red zone, which is something that I imagine that they'll fix, but... Rashid Shahid has turned into an actual wide receiver. Like, he's not just running, you know, straight-go routes and he'll get two targets a game and you just hope he catches one. No, he's actually running the whole route tree now. He's getting, you know, five, six, seven targets per game now. Um, Then Alave, obviously. Michael Thomas looks like he's back. Derek Carr is Derek Carr. He's going to have some excellent throws where he looks like, you know, a top-five quarterback. And then he's going to have some terrible ones where you – wonder if he should even be a starter, but they're moving the ball. Um, I really like what what Jonathan Williams was going to be in that offense and, and the success he's had early, but now that he's down, I really like Tony Jones, and then we talked about Ford and Breda.
0: All right, uh, Brad, what do you think – we know Tony Jones had two touchdowns yesterday. What do you think his yards per carry was, or how many yards do you think he had?
1: I, if I had to guess, I'd say
0: probably like 2.5. 12 carries for 34 yards. He had the only two touchdowns for the Saints that game. I don't think you can so three bank Three yards on that. per carry. That's, than... that's what Jonathan Williams was. That's the exact role. Well, Jamal Williams is a bigger back. Oh, I, sorry, think Jamal, yeah, Jamal I, think, I think Jamal Williams was a um, – if you went zero running back and you wanted somebody for the first three weeks. But Tony Jones last year had 10 carries for the entire season. The year before that for the Saints, so albeit this, this is his second stint, 54 carries for 142 yards, which is 2.6 yards per carry. Yesterday was the first two rushing touchdowns of his career. I don't think you can bank on that week in, week out. They, Taysom Hill had nine carries yesterday. They used him in a gadget role. I think Derek Carr isn't going to have many games where he throws zero touchdowns. So that's just me. I'm going to Jerome Ford because I think he's going to get more volume. And he's probably a better, back, better bet to be the goal linebacker. Just my
1: opinion. So I, I hear that. Um, just a slight counter. I would say that running backs will tell you this. Like, it's a momentum thing. Like, you you can't just give a running back one carry here, two carries there, and then expect them to just, you know, average five, ten yards a carry. Like, they need five, six, seven, eight, nine touches to actually get into the flow of the game, see where the blockers are. Like, it, they need to kind of feel it. So I think this will be Tony Jones' first time at being the lead back um
0: well I don't want to
1: use his you know well let his me count third down back as
0: let me let me counter your counter this is his fourth year in the seat fourth year in the league and yeah. this is the second most amount of games that he's had in a uh second most amount of carries he's had in a game with 12 isn't that alarming that a running back who at, and and I think we can all agree running backs are most valuable early in their career because they have less touches, your legs are fresh, that he hasn't been productive in those first three years and not even productive that he hasn't had the volume and that you're banking on it week 4 before Alvin Kamara comes back fresh.
1: I'd say I'd say it doesn't scare me because there's a reason that running backs don't get paid and it's because you can find one that has had has not had a career in the first, you know, Three years of his career, now he's got a chance to be the number one back, and he pops. So I, I mean, I'm a Washington fan. Like I, I saw guys like Alfred Morris rush for a thousand yards. Like I, I, his first season. But I'm saying he, you can come out of nowhere. All it is is opportunity. He has an opportunity to be the lead back. Um, yeah. I, I see no reason that he's going to squander it. And when he got in, when he got his chance, he scored two touchdowns. I mean. Yeah.
0: Maybe, maybe he doesn't give that job back to Kamara. Last question from Z2, and we'll go to the next segment. Are you holding Cam Akers or dropping him this week? I think you hold. He's getting traded. This is the worst his value is right now, essentially being a healthy and active. You hold him or you pick him up if he's a free agent.
1: I think that's a, perfect, a perfectly logic argument. I will say that if you're in a good situation where you have your running backs – and you have a chance to get, you know, Jerome Ford, I'd feel fine dropping acres for Ford because wherever he's going to get traded, he's not going to be the number one. That's just not how it works.
0: No, but you could trade him to a running back needy team. I mean, here's my thing. If you if you didn't drop Cam Akers after week one when he went twenty two for twenty nine, and you kept him and his value is only gonna go up, he said the reason I ask is because Kyron and Jerome are available. I mean, that's tough. I
1: prefer both of those players. That's tough. That's
0: tough. I would prefer both of those. But let me tell you, with how much running backs are going down, I would secure as much running back depth as you can. I would drop your backup tight end. I would drop your backup quarterback, assuming that you have a viable starter. I would drop any backup defense you have. I would only roster backup running backs and wide receivers because let's say he gets traded to the Colts and then they deal Jonathan Taylor somewhere else. Cam Akers his val oh no trades in this league
1: Ooh. he's an easy drop that you don't even need to think about it
0: yeah i mean in that instance i would i would take the other two over them but here's the thing i wouldn't break the, i would break the bank for kyron williams yes. but i wouldn't i wouldn't break the bank for jerome ford so i would put yes. in a sizable offer for kyron i would put in a lower offer for jerome but i'm not willing to spend a lot of fab because somebody then is going to spend their fab on cam Maker. so
1: Keep Cam no matter, uh, Sorry, Doc, no matter what um, position you are, you know whether you're in first place, last place, if Kyron Williams is on your on your uh, waiver wire, you can spend you know 50, 60, 70 percent of your fabs. like it's not going to get much better of a situation than Kyron Williams has plus the success:
0: I agree, I agree. So going from a fantasy perspective, going to touch on gambling a little bit. Um, week three, we got some underdogs from DraftKings. Brad, what is your favorite underdog and why?
1: This one's tough. Um, Titans plus three against the Browns really jumps out to me. I, I can see you know, the Browns coming out a little flat. They just lost the heart of their team. Deshaun Watson has been atrocious. Um, they're really depending on that defense. to. They remind me a lot of the Jets right now, to be honest. They're depending on the defense to lead the way and then you just need your quarterback to be average um that seems like a tall task for Deshaun Watson lately he has not been average even in his first two games this season or last year he's been straight up bad so um I can see the Titans covering that but that's a scary one because the Titans offense also does not look great so um I'd say that's my favorite my favorite underdog, and if you can find a bigger line somewhere, 3.5, a, a plus 4, 4.5, I'd, I'd feel more comfortable with that one.
0: Yeah, I like that. And, I mean, the Titans just had a good win against the Chargers. I have two because there's two that I could see happening, and one of the things that you can do with sportsbooks is you can tee. So if you don't like the line, you can add some points. You're not going to get as much value, but it might be a better chance that you hit, and maybe you parlay a couple teasers together. That's something that I like doing personally. I like the Falcons plus three at the Lions. Amon mm-hmm. uh St. Brown, reports that he has turf toe. Um, I'd be interested in monitoring that situation going forward. But the Falcons are a ground-and-pound team, which is yep. kind of what the Lions are. It's fighting fire with fire. I could see it being a little bit of a lower-scoring game. And the Falcons are the healthier team right now. Um, I think the way that the Lions lost last week was a little bit deflating. Maybe they don't recover from that. Uh, that's something I would tease. And then the last one I like is the Rams plus two at Bengals on Monday night football. I think you're getting it right now with the assumption that Joe Burrow does play because their backup, and I'd have to double check his name. That's how insignificant he is. He hasn't thrown an NFL pass. I can't imagine a team being favored with a quarterback that has never thrown a pass before. One of the things of why the 49ers, and I say this as a Niners fan, have had great success against the Bengals the few times we've played them. It's because we have a great defensive line and they have a terrible offensive line. And the same thing we saw from the Rams week one against uh, the Seahawks. Football starts at the line. The Rams defensive line dominated the Seahawks offensive line. And I see the Bengals not really having time to throw. I see a lot of short throws. I see a low-scoring game. And the Rams offense has looked better than we thought. They were almost tied with the 49ers before half, before Jake Booty kicked that 57-yard field goal. So... I think the Rams are still kind of getting a little bit of disrespect. And I say, this is somebody that bet against them heavily in the uh, preseason and the off season, but they're, I could,
1: they're I could see the them board. straight up winning that game.
0: I could too. I could too. So Brad, this is a segment that Zach put in and I'm going to give him the shout out of the real and spectacular or fake. So I'm going to give you a couple scenarios and you tell me whether it's real and spectacular or whether it's fake. So, after two weeks, zero running back draft strategy was the league-winning strategy. Real and spectacular or fake?
1: I'm going to go fake. Um, I took um, in one of my leagues, I'm 2-0. Oh, uh, it's actually a league with uh, with our boy. Uh, no, uh, Sorry.
0: NBA rigged. NBA,
1: NBA rigged. Um, I have Christian McCaffrey and I have Kenneth Walker. So those guys have carried my entire line. I also have Tyreek Hill and Mike Evans and uh, Puka Nakua, but like in terms of running backs, they've been solid the entire, the entire way. Um, I think if you have a running back that stayed healthy on a running team, you're not, you're not worried. It's really only been Nick Chubb and, and Saquon Barkley, which are, you know, big names, but um there's other people that have kind of carried the way there. So I'd say fake. I'd say you can still go, you know, running backs your first two rounds and, and win.
0: I'm with you. If you had Nick Chubb, that's
1: very unfortunate.
0: If you had Austin Eckler right now, that's pretty unfortunate, even yeah. though he did have a decent week one. You had Christian McCaffrey that's doing well. You have Bijan that's doing well. And the later push, yeah. Tony Pollard is doing well. So I think it hasn't been um it hasn't been foolproof i think it's depending on on how you build your team you know you could you you could have gone at the back of the first and done tony pollard and saquon and you might be 2 and 0 oh, and and saquon had two touchdowns last game and maybe he only misses two weeks and then he's a little bit more healthy than if you if he had played through this ankle sprain and the giants are in must-win scenarios and he's getting the ball
1: so, you could have you could have been wrong in taking DeAndre Swift early, and then look, you just had 176 yards. Like, that's nuts. Like, there's there's been plenty of performances out of the running backs. So. Yeah, and, and I mean, let's say you said
0: I'm I'm going uh zero running back, and I'm gonna get Travis Kelsey because he's the most sure thing in fantasy exactly. from a fa- yeah. from a pass catcher perspective. He misses week one, gets bailed out by a touchdown week two. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase as well, so. I think it's one of these things where being more reactive than proactive, Brian or uh, Brad. I'm going to stick with you for this. Brian Robinson will be a top eight running back for the rest of fantasy this season. Real and spectacular or
1: fake? I'd say that's very real and spectacular. I uh, the Falcons have been doing everything they can to hide Desmond Ritter, and that means Brian Robinson, not Bijan. Yeah, yeah, I know what you meant. Oh, Brian Robinson. Okay. Um, that's fake. That's very fake. I don't know whether it's going to be Gibson. I don't know whether it's going to be Robinson. All I know about Eric, Bianami is he runs a great offense and the person who is the star of that offense can change from week to week, whether it was, you know, McKinnon or Pacheco or CEH. I think it'll be the same thing with this right now. John, or Brian Robinson has, has been a star early. Um, but that could change. It could easily be Gibson next week. So um I honestly, Brian Robinson would be probably tops on my, you know, perfect time to trade.
0: Top top eight is generous. Top yeah. 14, we're getting somewhere with there. Brian Robinson, 20 touches each in the first two games. Uh, you know, this is somebody that we haven't really seen healthy at the pro level. I mean, the fact that he came back from getting shot and even playing last year, I think, is miraculous. And I think that's what we expected from him coming into this season, but not realizing he had a full offseason to get healthy, get familiar with the playbook. The enemy comes in, doesn't have favorites. Gibson has more touches in his career and was a converted wide receiver. So I think top 14 is very realistic, a high-end RB2. Brad, we got a question in uh, Untamed Music. Welcome to the show. Just traded Raheem Mostert. Najee, Jordan Love for Garrett Wilson, Justin Fields, Kenneth Gainwell. Your thoughts, 14 team, half PPR.
1: Um, that's interesting. I, I'm out on Najee. I think Jordan Love is going to be good. I think Mostert is good. Um, Garrett Wilson's a beast, obviously. Fields, well you know I, I my answer would have been much different week one but after seeing week two i'm not sure game will is going to get that number one spot back swift was too great um gary wilson and zach wilson kind of they scared me a little bit but wilson's still a wide receiver one and fields he could have a breakout week for 40 points and then he can also do 10 for you so i, I don't know i I probably would have kept Mostert, Najee Love, just to just to see how it shakes out the rest of the year. But I can understand why you did the trade. Yeah, I would have been interested
0: to see the the contract of the rest of your team. First of all, trading two running backs that are starters for one that just got hurt, and Kenneth Gainwell is like five nine, 180 pounds. There's no way that he can be a workhorse running back. And it's they have a, a three headed monster, and I'm I'm taking out Rashad Penny. 2 but th- but they have Boston Scott who's in concussion protocol, DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gainwell himself, and Jalen Hurts, who had two rushing touchdowns from the one last game.
1: Yeah, that's so,
0: right. So so I I'm interested because I think running backs, if you have them, especially <clears> the <throat> ones that are healthy. I mean, most you're is playing on a high scoring offense. I'm not worried about Jeff Wilson when he comes back. Najee, I understand, has you've been burned by him. If he drafted him last year, the first half was brutal last year. But I do think that this is the lowest his value will be. And for Jordan Love, he's looked pretty good. It's it's interesting. He's the QB, too, so this is certainly his ceiling. But he's going to have a long leash. You don't have to worry about him getting benched. They're kind of having the offense run through him. He's been throwing the ball a lot. Aaron Jones had a great receiving game week one. I think for Garrett Wilson, that 68-yard touchdown that was mostly him inflated his stats. And I know they played a great Dallas defense. I do think you're buying low on Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is going to get better. I think they're going to figure it out. But also that video and Brad, I don't know if you saw it from um, from Baldy NFL, where he has a wide open pocket. He could rush. He has like two open receivers. He's just not getting through his progressions well. And that to me is a little that. bit more. That to me is a little bit more alarming than somebody missing balls or maybe that they're throwing bad uh, passes that get picked
1: when I've you're not seen, even
0: throwing to open reads that's where i'm now concerned when clean pocket open reads mobile quarterback and you're taking a sack that to me is very concerning
1: i've also seen a super cut of of uh, dj moore essentially like jumping up and down that he's open like i how can you he was literally brought onto the team to be the wide receiver one the guy the aj brown to his uh to his jalen hurts like it's he should always be your first read, almost like you should just be forcing it to him. So for him to be open multiple times and you just take sacks, um, there's, there's something going on with fields there where he's, he hasn't really learned the offense or he's just not progressing through it well. Um, I don't know. I, I really like fields. I think his athleticism just shocked me last year. So his ceiling is so high, but something's going on with him this year. Yeah. And,
0: and, you know, I, I've heard rumors at the offensive coordinator that they're not tailoring the offense to him, which that's certainly worrisome. We've never seen him really be a true pocket passer. Not saying that he can't, because you can Ohio certainly State. improve on that. But Ohio State, you know, you're playing against lesser competition. Yeah. Ohio State quarterbacks typically haven't panned out in the majors. That's and true. and a lot of that Ryan Day offense is you're throwing to your first read. And, and look at the wide receivers that have come have come out of there. Michael yep. Thomas and I know that's that's years ago, but Chris Olave, JSN, um, yep. you know Marvin Harrison Jr. coming out this year. You're thrown to essentially elite wide receivers and playing below level competition, and in the pros, I'm not saying it's an even playing field, but it's more of an even playing field
1: than in college. So, and that was I, my thesis for you know DJ Moore to have a breakout wide receiver one year, but it just it hasn't panned out right now. He's not he's not getting through his reads and he's not getting into open ball and forcing it to him. So I'm with you. Yeah. So we'll have to see,
0: you know, obviously we judge a trade on its face and how things have done, but looking forward, this could be a great value for you. So, you know, regardless of what people say, and this goes for a trade in general, I think you have to stand by your convictions of why you did the trade. And if it works out great, if not, you know, what did I do that is going to change for the future, Brad, finishing out our random touchdown from a tight end, who are you going with?
1: I don't know how random it'll be because he caught one last week, his first career touchdown. Are you going Kyle um, Granson? I'm going Kyle Granson. He, I think with Gardner Minshew at quarterback in particular, I feel a lot better about that Indianapolis Colts passing game. Uh, Minshew's a, he's a bona fide passer. He's, he's had his, his stops around the league and he's really yeah. never gotten the shots to be, you know, QB one um, after Jacksonville. So I think, He's got a shot now with Anthony Richardson having uh concussion protocols, So I think that offense is going to look really good with him. And they looked really good with him last week. I could see him being the guy this week.
0: Brad, if you haven't already, and for anybody that's listening, go to Kylan Granson's Instagram. He did a did photo. He did a photo shoot with a football like it's his baby because it's his first career touchdown. <laughs> you just got to root for a guy like that. You do. I'm going with Hayden Hurst. Uh, he caught a touchdown. He caught a touchdown week one against the Falcons, um, seven targets the first week, three targets the second week. I think he's kind of been the security blanket for Bryce Young. I see. I could see them being down in Seattle. Seattle's defense has been a little bit suspect so far, um, and I think he's the healthiest of the receiving options. Adam Thielen was, had a nagging ankle injury week one. Terrace Marshall hasn't seemed 100%. He had a back issue coming into the season itself. DJ Char coming from off-season ankle surgery. Jonathan Mingo being a rookie. Hayden Hurst seems like that security blanket for him. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him have at least five targets. And I'm not saying a huge yardage game, but he could have a cheap touchdown. You know, maybe three catches, 37 yards, and a touchdown. And that's probably going to make him the tight end seven for the week. I'm
1: with you on that.
0: I I can definitely see that. But – That's about going to do it for the show at the 37-minute mark right now. Brad, before we get out of here, anything you want to plug?
1: Yeah, um, so I'm always writing articles on Fantrax HQ. I'm a a senior writer there, so you can catch me on football articles every week. Um, And I'm also starting to ramp up with uh, basketball season, too. So uh, your fantasy basketball and fantasy football needs, you can find me at FantraxHQ.com. There you go. Brad
0: has got you covered on there. And then uh, I'm Doc. You can catch us every Tuesday night. Make sure you catch the Baseball Pod and the Basketball Pod coming at you soon. And for everybody, good luck with FAB this week. Don't stress out. Remember, it is a game. And we'll catch you guys next week. Good luck.
1: Peace.